Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Joining us for the conversation this morning, glad to welcome back Ainsley Carbone, Total Wealth Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Ainsley, good morning. Thank you for dropping by. Looking forward to our conversation. Thank you, Dan. Looking forward to it. Today, we'll actually be revisiting a topic we spoke about probably about a year ago. It involved your colleague, Justin Waring, as well. And it's also the focus of the most recent Modern Retirement Monthly publication, which does spotlight ways one can reduce tax drag on one's assets and harness the potential power of compounding growth. So, Ainsley, how can one's retirement assets help there? When we contribute to a traditional IRA or 401k, we are essentially protecting those income dollars from taxes we would otherwise have to pay today. And we are also shielding the money that grows on those investments from ongoing tax payments on income and dividends and capital gains during our working years until we take those assets out in retirement. So that's the primary way that retirement assets can help us reduce tax drag. Now, it was ideal if we could leave those assets invested forever to let them continue growing on a tax-deferred basis, but most of us will eventually need those dollars to fund our spending in retirement, and we will also be subject to required minimum distributions beginning at age 72 when we will be forced to take distributions each year and owe ordinary income taxes on those dollars. And so the second way, which is the main focus of this report, The second way is to find a way that we can pay a lower tax rate when we eventually take that money out when we withdraw those tax-deferred dollars in retirement. So the ideal outcome is to be able to defer taxes and reduce your tax rate, but that's not always possible, and you will often have to choose between those two options. So this means that you will really just need to think strategically about when you time your distributions and aim to move these taxable events into years when you have lower taxable income and could therefore take those dollars out at a lower tax cost. So Ainsley, running with something you made mention of a few moments ago, that being required minimum distributions or RMDs for short, can you take a few moments to explain how this works and even the tax implications one needs to be mindful of? Absolutely. So as I mentioned earlier, one of the primary benefits of retirement assets is that they allow you to defer taxes forever, or excuse me, not forever, but they allow you to defer taxes. And the longer that you keep those tax-deferred assets invested, the more time they have for that tax-deferred growth to compound. But like I said, you cannot defer these taxes forever because of these required minimum distributions or RMDs. So the IRS requires you to withdraw a portion of your IRA assets with the exception of Roth IRAs. You're required to take these out every year beginning at age 72. These distributions are typically taxed as ordinary income, regardless of whether you were spending the funds or reinvesting them. So because of this taxable event that's associated with RMDs, these distributions can be problematic for investors who do not need the funds for spending today because they otherwise likely would have left those assets in there to continue growing on a tax-deferred basis. And another instance in which they can be problematic is if you have substantial retirement account balances, because those large balances will generate larger RMDs, which could push you into a higher income tax bracket and eventually ultimately just dampen the after-tax growth potential of your portfolio. So while 
you can't really avoid RMDs. There are still strategies you can incorporate into the plan to make sure that you're satisfying the obligation of those RMDs while also reducing the tax drag on your investment portfolio. So Ainsley, something we've spoken about here on the podcast before, that being the spending waterfall, it is mentioned within the most recent Modern Retirement Monthly as well as a point of reference to help investors manage tax liabilities. Can you take a moment here to walk us through that as a refresher? Yes, absolutely. So for starters, I do just want to make an important distinction between spending and distribution. When the government requires us to take money out of our retirement accounts on those dollars, just because we're forced to take a distribution from those accounts, that does not mean that we are forced to spend those dollars. You can reinvest those dollars outside of a retirement account. And in some cases, this may be optimal if you don't need the money from that RMD to fund spending today. But when it does come to funding spending in retirement, if you do need that money to fund near-term expenses, we recommend following a simple spending waterfall just to help you improve the tax efficiency of those distributions from that portfolio that you're taking to fund that near-term spending. So one common rule of thumb that most people here when when reading retirement research is to distribute from taxable accounts first, tax-deferred assets next, and then tax-exempt assets last. But because of these required minimum distributions, we have a slightly different take on this. So when you have a required minimum distribution, you are already distributing those assets and you're already paying taxes on those dollars. So that should be the first source of of your spending because you're already being forced to be taxed on those assets. The next source of spending from your portfolio would be the yield and income from dividends and interest in your taxable accounts because, again, you're already being taxed on those cash flows, so you may as well use them to fund your spending because doing so just doesn't force you to realize any additional taxes. And then the next step is to take additional distributions from your IRAs and 401ks if you are in a low income year and are therefore in a lower than normal tax bracket. And then last, we would be would be selling your taxable assets or tapping into borrowing facilities because although capital gains taxes are typically lower than ordinary income tax rates, they can be avoidable. So if you hold on to unrealized capital gains until you pass away, under current law, your heirs will get a step up in cost basis. And therefore, you'll basically be forgiven those capital gains taxes on those unrealized gains as long as your estate is below the lifetime gift and estate tax exemption amount. So essentially, we just we don't want to realize capital gains unnecessarily because they are eventually unavoidable if you do want to leave those assets to the next generation. So that would be perhaps the last resort from the spending waterfall. Maybe digging into the distribution strategies a bit further, what's cited within the guide, Ainsley, that could help one improve their after-tax wealth? So with the spending waterfall, we were talking about taking assets out of your investment account to fund spending today. However, if you don't need the assets in your retirement account to fund spending in the near term, Roth conversions might be a strategy for you to consider. Roth conversions would allow you to add to an account that won't be subject to lifetime required minimum distribution. They add to an account that will continue to grow on a tax-free basis. And 
they also add to an account that will pass income tax-free to your heirs. Now, Roth conversions do taxable event at the time of the conversion, which can result in a significant tax cost. However, if you find yourself in a lower than normal tax bracket during the year, you can use Roth conversions to essentially fill up the rest of that tax bracket to get that money into the tax-exempt account at a lower cost. But there are essentially two benefits of this strategy. The first benefit would be that it can help you enhance your tax diversification. And then the second benefit would be that it boosts the after-tax value of wealth transfers. While Roth IRA assets pass income tax-free to your heirs, the assets are generally included in your taxable estate. So if you anticipate your wealth might exceed federal and state lifetime gift and estate tax exemption amounts, a life insurance strategy may be more appropriate for you since life insurance death benefits pass income tax-free to the beneficiaries. And if that policy is purchased and owned by an irrevocable life insurance trust or an islet, then the policy's death benefit will not be included in the insured's gross taxable estate at death. And then the last strategy would be qualified charitable distributions. So these distributions can help you meet your philanthropic objectives And it can also maximize the value of your charitable contributions while satisfying all or portion of your required minimum distribution that year. Just two things I think that are really important to keep in mind. The first one being there are so many details that we're not discussing today on this podcast that you need to be mindful of. So in addition to looking through the report for the additional details, It's also just really important to make sure you are considering these strategies with your financial advisor because they're going to be able to to help you understand the details that are specific to your situation. And then the second thing to keep in mind is that you don't need to pick just one of these strategies that we discussed. You can, of course, incorporate more than one of these strategies in your financial plan. So again, we suggest working with your financial advisor to determine how maybe a combination of these strategies could be used in your plan to help you maximize the after-tax growth of your portfolio while also aligning with the, the objectives that are specific to you, whether that's the objectives that you want to meet in the near term, the long term, or even beyond your lifetime. Well, it sounds like it's not one size fits all to your point, Ainsley. Solutions can be circumstantial. So a lot here to consider. And to your point, we do stress that our clients listening in in particular do have that follow-up conversation with their advisor to better understand the best path forward for them and to also read further into the most recent modern retirement monthly, which we're referencing today. Uh, Before we close out, Ainsley, any final Final thoughts, takeaways, or next steps you'd like to leave us with? I think the strategies discussed on this podcast today and in the report can be something for most investors to consider. However, if you're someone who's very close to retirement or if you're at the very beginning of your retirement, this is typically the point in which we find that investors are in lower than normal tax brackets because these years typically occur from the time when you retire and you stop receiving a salary until the time when you start receiving Social Security benefits and are taking RMDs. So between those two time periods is typically when you're in those lower than normal tax brackets. It's what we typically call the the gap years. So if you're at that point in your life, this may be an opportunity for you to consider some of the strategies we discussed, like those Roth conversion strategies 
because you're in those lower gap year or lower tax years, it might be an opportunity for you to take advantage of those tax years. So if you're someone who thinks you might be in that instance, I suggest you reach out to your financial advisor and and ask them how a Roth conversion strategy could be helpful to you and your financial plan. Thank you, Ainsley. Appreciate that guidance. I do want to, again, promote the publication itself, which Ainsley has been making reference to during our conversation today, uh, that being the most recent Modern Retirement Monthly publication. Title is Beyond RMDs, Free Strategies to Improve Your After-Tax Wealth, which is available now up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Of course, for clients of UBS, you can contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more and to receive a copy of the publication directly. Though, Ainsley, thank you again for dropping by Top of the Morning today. Very productive conversation, very informative, and looking forward to having you and uh, Justin at some point back as well. Thank you, Dan. Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc. nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.